Paging Dr. Seiler, Paging Dr. Seiler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life savings draining away, the Stock Doctor's Prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's Prescription will give you the ease and peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including, but not limited to, wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional fart jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's Prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's Prescriptions are available at Walgreens, Apple iTunes, and everywhere the better podcasts are available. And right here, this is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. Everybody and welcome to the show. You are about to listen to the Stock Doctor's Prescription right here in the Florida Man Radio Network. I'm your host, Lee Seiler, also known as the Stock Doctor. To my right, to your left, as you look at your radio dial, is Aaron Simonet. Hey, how's it going? Aaron, how you doing? A financial advisor in the office. Also in the house, we have the fiscal therapist, Jared Bocard. He's on my left. To your right, as you look at your radio dial. How are you doing? Hello, Jared. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm buying some stuff right now. Yes, you are. I know that. We're going to talk about what you're buying. And uh, he is fresh off the heels of our Hump Day Market Update, which is our Facebook Live thing we do on Wednesday nights. And uh, Jared uh, does a good job with that. He's been doing a few of those, so that's good. And he's always, or usually always, a uh, co-host on the show. And uh, in the intro, a good friend of mine, Million Dollar Bill Keevan, he recorded the intro, and he said something about the drip, drip, drip of your life savings going away. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing that, but this is what we've seen here lately. I mean, the start of 2022 has not been good, and we know why. There are a number of reasons why. But first of all, let's start like we do every week by letting you know when we're recording this because it does make a difference. Um, because when you're hearing this, you're hearing it in Central Florida on Sunday morning, and you're hearing it in the panhandle in uh, on Saturday afternoon. But guess what? We're not doing it live. Because I'm not going to get up on a Sunday morning. Well, I get up early anyway, but I'm not going to get up and do this on Sunday morning. I'd be asking a lot. Well, for you especially, because you're a young single guy out there having a good time. <laughs> the rest of us old married fogies, I mean, we, 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 uh, I mean, I get up the crack of dawn, but I'm not going to get up and go uh, to work on Sunday morning, that's for sure. Yeah, my kids got me up. I'm making breakfast, pancakes on Sunday. There you go. So you'll be able to listen to the show. Then that's what I plan on doing this weekend. So we're recording the show now. It's about 3.25 p.m. on Thursday, February 17th. So let me tell you what the market's doing right now. And uh, this way you have a kind of a baseline of what's been going on. So the Dow Jones, as we speak right now, with about 35 minutes left in the trading day, down 619 points at 34,315. The NASDAQ composite down 374 points at 13,349. The S&P 500, 500 down 90 at 43.84. And what that means is the NASDAQ is down 2.65%. So that being said, you know, last week was a negative week. The only positive area of the markets that were up last week was the Russell 2000, the small cap index, which really has been leading the way in the really since the beginning of the year, it's been leading the way. It really, it really has, um, and we'll get into more of that later on in the show. But it's definitely a area that we have been buyers 
um, small and mid-cap value, yeah. for sure, and, and a lot of different portfolios. We're starting to see that, so we have been. That's something we have been doing to portfolios. And, and the other thing I want to let you know, that anything you hear on this show is not necessarily a recommendation uh, because we don't know your situation. I mean, our rules as a fiduciary financial advisor is that we need to know our clients. And we can't possibly say, hey, this stock is great for you. Go out and buy Citigroup. Go out and buy Disney. We say that we do it for our clients that are suitable for this investment, but we always encourage you to talk to somebody that you uh, that you trust, talk to somebody that you believe will give you good advice. If you do not have somebody or you're not happy with the person you have, I recommend you call us here at my office at uh, in the Central Florida area, 407-831-8002, You can also call in questions that we will air next on next week's show you can also uh, email your question in feedback at stockdr.com so we're uh, we're seeing a lot of carnage out there and the markets are not doing well year to date the dow jones down over four percent s p down 7.2 probably a little bit more now after today uh the nasdaq down 11 again all these numbers are going to be a little bit worse the russell's down 8.8 .8, but has been showing strength the last few weeks the uh, the strongest energy uh, strongest sectors of the year thus far are energies, financials, and materials. Uh, the weakest mm. commercial services, believe it or not, real estate and technology not doing great so far this year. So, what else is not doing great this year, which is everybody's mainstay and and, and places where people think is safe is the bond market. And we talked about this briefly last night, Jared, on our um, hump day market update. Bonds are going to be in a bear market. They I, are. I have no doubt. I mean, they are. Um, we went and saw it. We went and, uh, as part of, uh, part of our uh, research, we went and listened to a bond specialist last uh, yesterday, and uh, he had the same sentiment about it. Uh, there really is no way around it. Bonds are not a safe place to be right now. No, I mean, and you are. The Fed funds, um, Aaron at zero to 25 basis points now, they're talking, I mean, there's speculation after seven interest rate hikes this year. Exactly, with the possibly the first one being in March and could be 50 basis points. So let's assume, let's just say that, because I'm that's in the cards too. There's a big probability that the first one, and you know, I'm not so, I'm not, I'm okay with that actually. Let's get it. We probably, they're behind the curve. So they probably should have started last year. I, I was telling a client earlier, like uh, earlier today, I was talking to him and I was like, I wish they'd just go ahead and get it done so we can get this started. It's already priced in. It is it's priced It's already in. priced in in the market. So, I mean, it's kind of like ripping a Band-Aid off, essentially. You get Once it's done, it's done. So 50 basis points. Let's assume the first one's 50 and the ensuing six are a quarter. Mm -hmm. So that puts us at about one and three quarters bump right. in the Fed funds rate. And we are already seeing the 10-year treasury that ran from one and a half to two already this year. And what is that going to do to mortgage rates? Well, the average 30-year mortgage as of right now is 4.05, the highest level in quite a long time. If the Fed bumps rates another 150 basis points or 200 basis points, which is one and a half or 2%, you're going to probably see mortgage rates in the fives. I think that's a foregone conclusion. Which we talked about last night. That's still low if you look at what it was in the past. Relative to the history of Relative, mortgage rates. Yes, exactly. I, I have, my wife has in-laws that are in the uh, real estate industry, you know, rental houses and stuff. Right. And they were telling me that when they first got in the industry, and this was years ago, they were 
having they had mortgage rates at 17 percent what was your did. first one leave was nine and a half my first yeah. mortgage in 1987 was nine and a half and that was bond money because i was poor and realistically if if you didn't refinance when the interest rate the mortgage rates were at their low pretty much all-time lows like, it's irrelevant right now well well we talked so bonds are down so far we're only a month and a half into 2022 the U.S. Treasury intermediate term, which is 10-year Treasury, down 3.8%. So if you own an investment in 10-year Treasuries that is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government, one of the safest investments in the world, you're down almost 4% year-to-date in a month and a half. The Jenny May, so bond uh, mortgage-backed securities, down 3.6%. The U.S. aggregate, which is the just a, a, a aggregate of U.S. bonds, down 4.94%, almost 5% in a month and a half. Corporate high yield is the only area of the bond market that is up besides floating rate, but corporate high yield up uh, 1.03. Corporate investment grade bonds down 5.87. Global aggregate, that's a global portfolio of bonds, down 7.5%. That is supposed to be your safe money, ladies and gentlemen. Personally, uh, the only bonds that I own for clients is going to be floating rate. Yeah, Um, or very, very short duration. Very short duration. Uh, Otherwise... People do think that the bond market is the safe safe place. You think of fixed income, you think of bonds. Yeah, and so, so Jared, if, if folks out there have a big chunk of their portfolio, which many people that are getting close to retirement or in retirement age have 60-40 portfolios or 50-50, meaning 60% equity, 40% bonds, that 40% is going to drag down their entire portfolio. Even if, if the market does manage to go up this year, which I think it will by the end of the year, you're still going to be dragged down by bonds. Balance funds as well, too, are, are struggling because of the bonds in their portfolio. So this is um, you know, what's dragging the market. So we know interest rates. We just, we just talked about that. What's the next best, biggest concern you hear about uh, clients talking about? Inflation. It's just personally speaking, the biggest thing that I have for, for uh, portfolios, I think it's the biggest worry that people should be concerned about is not outpacing inflation. Folks, if, if you are not outpacing inflation you are automatically losing money uh, that's what a lot of people that, don't understand that's a g word we're not say g word but that's a guarantee of losing money that is a literal guarantee of losing money and inflation last year was what seven percent yeah and, and the ppi the producer price index was over nine percent so it is outpaced what the consumer price index has done so this is just unbelievable the way prices i just saw it today because i had to get gas unfortunately my vehicle it, it takes premium gas so look, we're in Central Florida. We're not in California. We're not anywhere. But I paid four dollars and nineteen cents for premium gas. With the amount I drive, I would I would probably have to file bankruptcy if I had to buy premium. <laughs> so look, the broad market has has sold off. It sold off later last week. And keep in mind, the S and P five hundred right now is around the same level it was seven months ago. So we've basically gone nowhere in seven months, which I don't believe is a bad thing. The market's still not cheap, but valuations are getting better as earnings have increased. And let's not forget, there's a record number of stock buybacks. So here's how that works. Uh, a, a company, and we're talking about not insider buying that the CEO is buying stock for his own personal c- consumption or own personal portfolios. But they like to, if there's money left over, some fo- some companies give in the form of dividends, some form, they say, we're not going to make any major acquisitions. Let's buy back our stock. So what that does is shrinks the outstanding shares which increases the earnings of the company because earnings are are calculated by 
the amount of money you make divided the amount of shares. So if you made, if you have a million shares outstanding and you made a million dollars, you've earned one dollar share in earnings. But if you made the same million dollars and you have five hundred thousand shares, you've made two dollars in earnings. So that to, that is a, a good way that companies are giving back to their shareholders. So uh, uh, companies are aggressively buying back their stock. So let's discuss corporate buybacks. I mean, this has been a big discussion over the years and a lot of folks out there especially politicians don't like it but one thing understand that remember i would just make sure you understand it is totally different than the actual insider buying now the fact that we're almost done with earnings season and that that's going to dismiss those headlines because there has been some stocks getting absolutely bludgeoned after earnings and the one of the biggest ones is uh facebook which is now called meta which i think was the kiss of death but uh, Facebook, ticker symbol FB, it is at 208 before the earnings announcement. The stock was $328. It has dropped 120 bucks a share, almost 30% just on earnings just two short weeks ago. That would have been such a great short opportunity, but, but nobody nobody knew that. Nobody knew it was going to get hit so hard by Apple's uh, privacy policy because their they're forward guidance is not good either. Yep. And Google's piling on that. Of course they are. And and then Netflix came out with earnings, and they and their earnings were fine. It's just their guidance for subscriptions were not so great. Shopify came out with earnings. Absolutely got destroyed by 20%. Roblox, R-B-L-X, which is involved in the video games and subscription basis for video games and, and the metaverse and all that, got absolutely hammered after earnings. So PayPal as well. Listen, we're going to talk more about that when we come back because you are listening to the Stock Doctor prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Did you know most people give up on their New Year's resolutions in less than 30 days? If your 2022 goals include making and saving more money, you can't afford to give up. I'm Lee Seiler, the Stock Doctor from Seiler Wealth Management. My team and I can help get professional insight to market challenges and key investment opportunities. Schedule a free consultation where we can find custom ways to grow your finances in the new year. Call 888-855-2855 or visit stockdr.com today for a free consultation. Hi, I'm the Stock Doctor. As a thank you for listening to the show, we'd like to offer you a little something for free. Ideally, we would like you to trust us to manage your money. But if you're a hands-on type who wants to make those buy and sell decisions, you can still benefit from my decades of experience. Call 888-855-2855 and ask for the Stock Doctor's 30 Tips for Investing. 888-855-2855 and we'll send you a free copy. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. We really appreciate you joining us. Numbers are reached us at the office, 407-831-8002, 407-831-8002. That'll get you in touch with one of our advisors. You can talk to any one of us. You can talk to myself, Jared, Aaron. Justin, Nikki, and uh, 
discuss your portfolio. We can see is if anything we talked about on the show is appropriate for you. Make sure it's suitable because suitability is really the, the, the cornerstone of a portfolio because most people, in my opinion, take more risk than they should. And we can certainly help you determine where your risk tolerance lies. Especially in an up market. People try and people try and sure. take advantage of it and then take too, take too much advantage and then it comes back to bite them in the in the butt, essentially. Yeah. Well, before the break, we were talking about earnings and uh, what's going on. And it looked good to hear that uh, it's good to be out of earnings season. Actually, we're, we're on the way out of it. We had Cisco report earnings yesterday and they had a good quarter and they are... Um, they're buying back, speaking of stock buybacks, $15 billion. That's with a B of, uh, of their own stock, which is great. Listen, before we go any further, though, and we're going to talk some stock ideas. We're going to talk more market. We've got things that I want to talk about Disney because we've been really, really just pounding the table on Disney for those it's suitable for. And the stock is working out despite the market being really, really crappy. But let's talk about uh, this is kind of a public service announcement kind of. Uh, but there's been an alarming number of hacks uh, at Coinbase. And I recently got a phone call on it, too. And, and we'll talk more about what really happened. But um, I had a phone call on my cell phone. They said, your, it's a recording. Your Coinbase account may have been hacked. Press 1, blah, blah, blah. And we'll, we'll talk about that. But I immediately hung up because I don't have a Coinbase account. I was about to say, you got into crypto? No, no. I don't have a Coinbase account. Uh, and I, I get the same call with Bank of America, too, but I don't have a Bank of America account. However, um, in uh, CNBC reported that recently a Dr. Anders Apgar was out to dinner with his family, and this scam cost him $106,000. Now, Jared, you know kind of the, the technology behind it, but fraudsters are selling bots on Telegram that design the trick investor into divulging the two-factor off. It'll trick them into getting the two-factor authentication. Yeah, so you, you'll press one. In these calls, you'll press one. You did not did not make a move in, I think they're based in Canada. Okay. Uh, so they're, they're saying that uh, there was a there was somebody trying to log into your account in Canada. It was this you, press one if no, and you'll press one, and then it'll ask for your two-factor authentication to make sure that you're, Tell that you are who you say you are. The problem is this isn't Coinbase, and they're using that two-factor authentication to get into your account, change the password, and within minutes you are locked out of your account, and they are in the process of putting all your crypto in a different different uh, wallet. It took it took uh, Doctor Apgar it took minutes to wipe out one hundred and six thousand dollars. And again, we had the same a similar situation with Robinhood. The problem with these Coinbases and Robinhoods of the world, you can't speak to a human. You have to email. You got an email. And then, I, w I was talking to an advisor yesterday who her sister passed away, and she's having issues getting the crypto money that the sister had because she apparently needs the the thirty two digit passcode to get any information or to get into the account, and all she can do is email, and they won't give her anything, even with death cert and executor paperwork. Wow. That's, that's a that's a major conundrum. I mean, it's not only Coinbase, as I said. I've received calls from Bank of America and Robinhood had several hacks last year, and uh, where, where investors lost money, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars in these portfolios. And it's not Coinbase's fault. No. So yeah. you can't really. I mean, you can't go after Coinbase. No, what you could do is if you don't have uh, work with a firm that has a human answering the phone. That would help. If you get calls like this, though, 
this goes for like any company. They won't call you. They hang up and call their actual customer right. service line, or in this Coinbase account, um, Coinbase instance, email them. Yeah, the IRS is not going to call you. Yes, uh, Coinbase is not going to call you, and uh, you know Robinhood's not going to call you. They don't talk call anybody. But speaking of Robinhood, by the way, <laughs> uh, Atlantic Equities reiterated, H O O D. That's Robinhood. A reiterated as a neutral rating. I don't know why anybody would reiterate a neutral rating. And they state that the comps remain challenging. However, their revenues appear to have more or less bottomed out, which is promising. Uh, not too good. The stock is absolutely getting bludgeoned again. I think it's promising that I'll never own it. It's uh, $12.23. <laughs> Had an IPO at $138, ran to over $80, and just been getting hammered. So um, very interesting. I'll tell you what. Let's talk about some sectors that we like. And I am really looking closely at the leisure sector. I have a little bit of exposure with uh, an ETF that represents the airlines. I have, uh, I own a little bit of uh, Las Vegas Sands, a little bit of Wynn. But what's interesting, it seems like the leisure sector seems to be recovering. The recovery is well on its way. Between the cruise lines and their record bookings, the casinos looking constructive. And uh, because Macau is opening, this is huge for Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. That, that's a major gambling mecca. You know, Marriott reported great earnings, beating expectations, top and bottom line, by a wide margin, by the way. And uh, airlines are getting on track, it seems like. So, you know, the leisure traveler has been coming back. The business traveler is not there yet. I don't know if we'll ever see I don't, it. Well, I don't think we'll ever see like it was. But I am starting to see friends of mine that travel for business, they're going back on trips. They're going back on the road. It will come back. A business will come back to a certain extent. People are are sick of the Zoom meetings or the over the internet. Right. People like like going to conferences, for example, like convention centers and such. That will come back. You need the, hu the human aspect right. of those things. But uh, will it be to what it was beforehand? No. And that's what the, the airlines will adapt. Their guidance, I feel like they're outperforming so much their guidance was so low right um, but a low bar the only place the only place to go was up essentially but it is a very a very good sector at this point that we are taking a look at yeah and i like i said i own a, a small position in las vegas sands wind resort because i like that macau story but um you know the cdc also which is big for the cruise industry has lifted the rating for the cruise industry from very high risk which was basically they said do not cruise or you'll die. Yes. <laughs> Too high risk for vaxxed passengers. Now, I think the whole rating system is BS because the, I think the cruise industry should have been treated like the rest of the travel industry. What makes what makes an airplane that you're sitting six inches from somebody? Yeah, any better than a than one a where you have your own cabin. Yeah, and you're outdoors most of the time. Because let me tell you something. You could be uh, on an airplane. Yes, you have to wear masks most of the time. But I guess COVID doesn't spread when you eat or drink, because you can take your mask off to eat or drink in an airplane. I don't get it. I decided, yeah. I, I always, I felt uncomfortable drinking on the airplane. Like, just to take a sip, I was holding my mask up, taking a sip, putting it back on. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Well, because well, you, yeah, you hear these stories of, of uh, especially since the airlines, um, like, problems have gone skyrocket right. ever since this happened. So you don't want to be that guy that gets yelled at or starts a, starts a situation. Well, what's going to happen? You're the next YouTube video. Yeah, I don't want exactly. to be viral. The morons, the morons on these planes are causing these problems. They're going to ruin it for everybody because eventually the airlines are going to say no more alcohol on plane. They actually, uh, Southwest was not doing that. And then Delta CEO has sent a, sent a letter to the Senate asking to 
do a no-fly list for these type of passengers. I know. That's ridiculous. That's kind of, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but I see the point. Like You shouldn't have to worry. As a flight attendant or a pilot, you shouldn't I have agree. to worry about yourself. It, and they just made some announcement. I didn't really understand what exactly it was, but they were saying that they changed the aviation law, and you cannot drink your own alcohol that you brought on. Right. So something you can't you bring your own little... Uh, uh, yeah. ever been able to do that, le- legally, no, legally do that. I, I, apparently you are, because they were pretty happy about it. But here, here's the inch. You know, a plane trip is two to four hours. You're gone. The reason they can calculate how many people get sick on a cruise, because you're, you're on there for seven days. So you know in day three or four you're getting sick. On, a, on an airplane, have they counted how many people got sick after they had a plane trip? I, I don't know if that's the, the data's out there. So... You know, I don't know. I just uh, I, I feel bad the cruise industry got treated like that. I uh, we do own some Carnival and a little bit of Norwegian, all profitable. We bought it really cheap last year, you know, in the say, 13, I've, I've 14, sold, 15 since range. Then, but it was it was a great buying opportunity when it was at that range. Yep. So before we go any further, because we're going to talk more uh, about uh, Disney and a lot of other stocks. So we have a question. So speaking of Disney, let's go to a, a listener question. Charlotte from Lake Mary asks. I listened to your show and bought Disney around 142 on your recommendation. Good job, Charlotte. Uh, that has worked worked out so far. I only bought a small position. Is it okay to buy more now that the stock is 10 points higher than what I paid? So she paid 142. The stock's at 153 right now. I think that the relative the relative strength on Disney has been way better than the market. And um, so I personally, anything down at these levels. These low 150s, 140s, if it dips down there. If you are suitable to own single stocks, I think it could be suitable to own Disney. I believe my personal price target on the stock for the year end is 180. Uh, Citigroup came out with a price target of 210. That was today. So, uh, Charlotte, yes, you bought at 142. I have no problem averaging your, averaging your cost up to 147, 148 because I would have bought, I'd buy it here. I just bought some. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I think that Disney is an absolute great play. I have a client I've been debating on adding that to the uh, prof- uh, portfolio. Well, you know, the, the the problem is Disney got just roped in to the streaming service business, which have all been struggling. And they are, and then, of course, when their num- numbers came out, oh, wow, they have theme parks, too, which absolutely. It's one of those, it was it. being, like, valued as a, just a streaming company. It's like, you guys forget they own some of the most valuable <laughs> land uh, across the world yep uh, yeah I, I, it was that was a uh, very great very good buying opportunity there as well yeah so charlotte yeah i would be okay with that if if uh if you're suitable for it um you know one of the other headwinds we talked about inflation we talked about interest rates uh, the russia ukraine situation i mean uh it looks i mean yesterday which was wednesday there was a little bit of news saying hey maybe there's a chance that the russian troops will retreat then today we're not seeing that. That's what's seeing showing the market getting absolutely hammered. But wait a minute, Russia said they were not going to invade cr- Ukraine. No, they did. But today, apparently, there's what's going on. They're saying that um, there was uh, some Ukrainian separatists that attacked. Um, that attacked. Okay, I, I don't believe anything coming out of Russia. I don't believe it either. <laughs> so that's, that's number I, one. That's what I think. That's what's that's what's the funny. About right that's his excuse. Putin's but, like, I mean, we have ways of making you think. Yeah, that's, they've said the U.S. has come out and said that they're probably that's what Vladimir is going to do. He's going to do like a fake attack, essentially, and use it as justification for invading. Uh, but you look at it from this way: Putin has every single reason in the world to increase the price of oil. That's their main export. Sure. And what is happening right now? The price of oil is skyrocketing. Right. Uh, so I, 
it makes sense. I just don't, what, how far will it go? So let's just talk about history and how this affects the market. It, these type of situations usually are a a short term blip. They don't they're not prolonged market agony. Um, and I think it's in this case it's going to be a real short term blip. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Some of that's already priced in the market that we've seen over the last week because this news is not new. It's been coming out for the last couple of weeks. So I I personally would would see if something like that did happen and we saw more of a slide, I would think in general that would be opportunity for the mark for for just adding to some positions. Right now is a good time to take partial, you know, uh, partial positions and things, something that you wanted but is a little bit high. Yeah. You're getting it at a good deal and maybe this isn't the bottom, maybe the news pushes it a little bit further, but you know, like you said, I think we're going to come out of this very quickly. Yeah, and I and yeah, there's not it's not a bad strategy, folks, that if you say, "Hey, I really like Disney, at 153 but it could go to 140 so then if you normally buy 100 shares of something like this buy 50 there's nothing wrong with buying half position and buy another half i've been doing a lot of that lately because nobody knows where the low is but you know that you're buying a good quality company it's a great business and it's a stock that you're i think you're buying on sale but could it get have a better sale absolutely 100 percent something else that i have been hedging with energy companies as well uh, oil I have been putting a portion of our portfolios in oil just in case the Ukrainian conflict does become something more and turns into a war. I would like to at least participate on the upside because at that point, oil would go through the roof. The price. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're kind of seeing that now. I think that's all anticipation. But uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some more sectors that we really like. We're talking about some more stocks that we really like and uh, overall strategy right here on the Stock Doctor's Prescription. Uh, don't forget our number 407-831-8002 that's 407-831-8002 that'll get you in touch with one of our advisors if you want to uh, send a question feedback at stockdr.com we ask everybody stick around because we are coming right back Here's a quick list of things that you do not need from a financial advisor. They do not need to be in the tallest building in town. They do not need to have a one-size-fits-all program. They do not need a zombie apocalypse survival plan. Here are a few things you do need from a financial advisor. A firm that takes their fiduciary responsibility to heart. Your success is their success. Custom-built portfolios, not cookie cutters. The ability to use stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and exchange-traded funds to make the right combination of security and investments for each client. I'm Lee Seiler, the Stock Doctor. Let my team and I give you a complimentary portfolio checkup. Call 888-855-2855. That's 888-855-2855. Free financial review, no obligation, except for zombies. Zombies are on their own. Hi, I'm the Stock Doctor. As a thank you for listening to the show, we'd like to offer you a little something for free. Ideally, we would like you to trust us to manage your money. But if you're a hands-on type who wants to make those buy and sell decisions, you can still benefit from my decades of experience. Call 888-855-2855 and ask for the Stock Doctor's 30 Tips for Investing. 888-855-2855 and we'll send you a free copy.
Hey, everybody, welcome back. You're listening to The Stock Doctor's Prescription on the Florida Man Radio Network. Love me, my classic rock and roll. Are you ready for some scorpions? Good stuff. So, uh, numbers reach us again here at the uh, office, 407-831-8002. You can use that number to ask questions on, on suitability. So, if you say, hey, you mentioned Disney. Let me tell you my situation and let me know if it's suitable for me. Or if you want to talk about how we manage portfolios, which we are fee-based asset managers. We're fiduciary. So, you know, we participate in your success, and that's huge. Um, so, let's talk real quick. About, I want to just touch on interest rates one more time before we go into some more earnings and Kathy Wood. Um, First Trust did a little bit of a study and from 1975, this, is, this goes from 1975 to current, to 2021. During that time frame, which was uh, 40, 40 something years, 46 years, mm-hmm. 22 of those years, the 10 year treasury interest rate was higher at the end of the year than the beginning of the year. Hence, a rise in interest rates, 22 out of those 46 years. Of those 22 years, 18 of them had positive S&P 500 returns. So only four out of 22 years in a rising interest rate environment was the S&P 500 down. The first one was 1977. Carter had just gotten an office. Then 1981, Reagan had just gotten an office. Then 1990, that was the Asian contagion which is a problem. Uh, then, you know, I, I, I remember 1994, which is a miserable year. The uh, 10-year Treasury up 2% or 200 basis points. The market was only up 1.3%, but it was a real roller coaster. I remember being down big that year and then coming back at the end. And then uh, in 2018, rates rise a little bit, and the market was down slightly, not much, down 4%. So um, let's see. Let's see what happens there. So listen, um, you know, we talk about Kathy Wood quite a bit. And we don't rag on her because I, I like what she does. I think that she is an innovator and she's trying to find home runs in a portfolio. And she's the first one to tell you that you shouldn't put my ARC Innovation Fund 100% in your portfolio. She, she will tell you that. This is a piece, a slither of someone's portfolio. But I heard an interview with her in CNBC. I, I heard it today, but I think it may have been yesterday. But uh, where <laughs> the commentator say, so Kathy, you know, you had a great run for a while, and then last year you had a bad year pretty much across all her funds. But so far, uh, well, not so far, but in the last period of time, all of her stocks, every every stock that she owns in the ARKK, 100% of her stocks she owns are in bear market territory, which means 100% of her stocks, every stock in that ARKK portfolio is down 20% or more from their high. I've what never you, heard that in my life. That's that's insane. There's what she said. She said we had a significant decline. You think? <laughs> um, we do believe innovation is in the bargain basement territory. Our technology stocks are way undervalued relative to their potential, which I do agree with. Of course. Give us five years for running a deep value portfolio. Uh, deep value. She, look, deep, she, deep, she's deep not value. wrong. <laughs> no, no. I mean, look. The, look, stocks like you think stocks like Zoom are going to go away. Zoom is trading pre-pandemic levels. Okay. I mean, it's just crazy. You know, I mean, Teladoc. Teladoc's a major, major player in in telemedicine. So I, I just look. I may disagree with things like her Robinhood purchases. 
but maybe at 12 bucks you're going to make a lot of money in Robinhood. Zoom, Teladoc, and Roku, though, tumbled about 70%. And she may just be renting Robinhood or something like that. Yeah, maybe she doesn't want to own it long-term. But, I mean, she's a long-term investor, and, look, I appreciate what she does, and she has been very, very good. Very good. You You can't look at it just last year. Or eighteen months, you got to look at her track record five years. I was gonna say this is just a snapshot; it's not the whole picture. Exactly, it's just a, it was just a, an odd uh, comic. I'd never heard of a fund being one hundred percent of their their holdings down in bear market territory. But there are she's got a couple funds that are up year to date while the market's down. She does. She has the um, Arc A R K Q, which is the autonomous vehicle and robotics, which is up um, just under two percent. And her print, her 3D printing is up actually almost 10% year to date. Wow. Um, but everything else is down. I'm just laughing at some of these funds. Like we talked about it before the show. How, how much of a portfolio will this? Will That's this the only thing. Up? It's so concentrated and yeah. so, so specific as you can't have, you can't put 5% of your portfolio I 3D printing. You see this only like being used in like almost a brokerage account where you're just betting on an industry at that point. Yeah. I don't see them in retirement, but hey, teach put their a own. Slither. I didn't even know that printing one. I, I, I think I've seen it in the past, but I've never even put thought to that one. Yeah, and a PRNT is the ticker symbol on that? Uh, y- yes. Okay. All right, so let's talk about some sectors we really like. One of my favorite sectors is the semiconductors. And what's interesting is that it, you know semiconductors have performed so well. In fact, they had an absolute record year in 2021, which sales uh, surpassed $555 billion. That's up 26% year over year. This is based on the Semiconductor Industry Association. That's what they said. The SIA said that demand that they expect going forward is going to rise significantly. China remains the biggest market with sales totaling $192 billion in 2021. But this is incredible news considering that we're in the midst of a worldwide chip shortage. And this tells me that we are probably near the end of the supply chain issues when it comes to semiconductors. And all of that is going to help our inflation situation. I was just about to bring that up. Because the supply chain is one of the biggest problems that's causing sure. the inflation. So if that fixes itself or you know starts to lighten up significantly, you know the feds may not have to raise rates as aggressively. And that's why I don't believe they're going to raise seven times this year. That, I think what's going to happen is in June, July, August, supply chains may start lightening up. And they say, oh, okay, things are flowing again, and the Long Beach port is open again, and, and we can, because remember, you have, it's, it's supply and demand. You have very little supply with a ton of demand. Where'd you hear seven at? I haven't heard that. I've heard seven. That's I've what heard, they're saying. I've heard four or five. but That's what I was, four I've or five. I've heard seven. It's been, it's been lately I, since uh, Bullard, a Fed, a Fed president came out and said, a Fed governor came out and said, yeah, we've got to be aggressive. Some people are talking seven. Hmm. I'm just fully transparent, full transparency. I am probably overweight in chip stocks, but if there was only, if I only had one stock I could own for my portfolio, it would be probably Nvidia. Well, Nvidia has been great. Actually, and now is it's down seven percent today. Yeah, we own Nvidia, and uh, I'll tell you the story behind it. Um, for, first of all, before we do that, we own Nvidia and Qualcomm. And, um, you know, I think those are the two best in the industry. You could throw AMD in there as being a, a great one. We also have exposure via an exchange-traded fund. So we have a fund that owns um, some semis. But, y- you know, NVIDIA had – they reported a fantastic earnings report yesterday. Destroyed it was absolutely it. unbelievable. This is a large company, one of the biggest in the world, $613 billion company. 
that reported they beat top and bottom lines, 53% increase year over year in revenue, 7.42 billion, by the way, was driven by, it was record revenues in gaming, data centers, and uh, professional visualization market platforms. The company also posted a record year, uh, a record year in revenues, full year, 20, almost 27 billion up 61%, earnings up 69%. They, unbelievable. I mean, their guidance, they increased their guidance in revenues and earnings, but yet the stock is down today, 7.5%. And I bought it on sale. Yeah. And so the story with uh, NVIDIA, we bought the stock at 130 last year. I sold half the position at 300 uh, when it pulled back about three weeks ago to that 200-day moving average. I love buying stocks at their 200-day moving average that are high-quality, big names. And we bought that at, at 230 and so we're up a little bit on that second buy, up significantly on the first buy. But, you know, it's, it's down 20 bucks today. It closed yesterday at 265 I, I don't understand the stock market yeah. sometimes. And we owe Qualcomm, too. We have Qualcomm and a nice profit and the FTXL, which is a, an ETF. But um, these are unbelievable companies that you're getting to buy at, at great, great pricing. So um, Jeffries and Company upgraded NVIDIA this morning. They have as a strong buy. They have a price target of 370 so that's that's interesting. Now, the analyst consensus, meaning all the analysts combined on NVIDIA, the average is a strong buy. And among these analysts, there's a bunch of analysts that cover NVIDIA. The consensus price target is 356 That's 45% from where it is now. Like I said, if there was one stock I could own yeah. in my portfolio and I only had one option, it would be NVIDIA. But look, it's not for the faint of heart. It's a technology stock that can be volatile. Look, it's, it's down 20 bucks today. So it's not for everybody. Um, so, but again, call us 407-831-8002 and let's see if it's suitable for you. Uh, Credit Suisse put a, uh, they reiterated their buy with a price target of $400 a share. I mean, if you realistically, it could get there. Absolutely. I, I have no doubt that it could. I, I don't know when, what time frame, but I'm, I'm willing to own this one. I'm not renting it. You know, I rented half the position. I got back in. Uh, DoorDash, which I got to tell you a story about DoorDash. I used them uh, last week, and it was a miserable experience. Miserable. But they reported earnings after the close. The street liked what they saw. The stock is up today, by the way, up 10% in a really bad day. But um, this is a company that went public in December 2020 at 102, peaked out in November at $257, now trading at 105. And it was $95 yesterday up 10 bucks so uh, the street has a moderate buy on doordash with ticker symbol d-a-s-h we don't own the stock we have no skin in the game so i couldn't care less uh the price target the consensus price target is 175 that's pretty interesting for 100 105 dollars stock but again you can't believe everything you read and the analysts uh wells fargo's got a 170 price target evercore has a price target of 256 so my story with doordash is I've done it twice. The first time was a disaster. The first time, it may have been my fault, but they delivered my pizza delivery to another pizza place. I, th <laughs> I think it could have been my fault. So I gave it another shot. So I ordered pizza from DoorDash uh, last week, and literally it was, they said, okay, we'll be there in like 40 minutes. Great. Then all of a sudden, 50 to 60 minutes. Then 60 to 70 minutes. Then 70 to 80. So I called the pizza joint. I go, is my stuff ready? Is this DoorDash? No, your stuff's been sitting here on the counter ready for you because they know me. And uh, so DoorDash totally screwed the pooch on this one. And so you can't, of course, you can't get a hold of anybody. You have to uh, 
text them in a chat thing, and they gave me a $10 off the next time I used them. We had a similar situation. It, it wasn't that, but we ordered on Uber Eats and right. never got our food, and it took me forever to get my money to back. Me at Postmates. They never delivered it. I. They never delivered it? Nope. Well, at one time, DoorDash delivered food to my house. It wasn't even mine. And I, 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 my ring doorbell went off, and I said, what the hell? I don't expect anybody. And the guy go, hey, your food? I go, uh, no. And he, he's the wrong address. It was my neighbor. Uh, I would have uh, said yes. No. <laughs> hey, we appreciate you guys joining us. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. We'll be back next weekend. Same bat time, same bat station. Have a great week. <laughs>